Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Hall of Games, episode number 48. <laughs> Almost hesitated and said the other thing, uh, but it's the Hall of Games now, the ever-growing catalog of legendary game titles that have proven to be timeless classics. I am your host, uh, the video game bard Josh Gagos, who's going to call myself Josh, and then I'm joined by the casual Jared Benson. Jared, it's been a long day. It's been a rough entry uh, point here, start can't even say start just saying entry point instead uh but i'm gonna keep forging forward regardless uh episode number 48 almost have a cool 50 episodes here and we're getting closer and closer to that milestone very excited about that um in lieu of that we've started to update things in our podcast and in the uh surrounding sphere of products um our patreon's up I want to start to uh, incorporate video for YouTube and stuff. Um, We've started to work on outside things like uh, written posts and uh, editorials and things like that. And uh, I'm going to be eventually starting now. This month has been funky. I've had to delay some things, but eventually we're going to start that second podcast as well. Um, That is my goal here um, starting in March. So uh, February just ended up being a super weird month. Both January and February have just been like all over the place for me. which is good and bad i've been really busy and it's made time fly but some of the other stuff on the um extracurricular side of things has unfortunately had to take a back burner and unfortunately i also really since my accident i'd say in 2020 i've lost a lot of like structure in my life and it's nothing that i have an excuse for it's really just been kind of me letting myself go So this last year, 2022, is the best year for me kind of getting back on the saddle with a lot of stuff. But going into 2023, I still have room to improve. I still have uh, more ways that I can uh, fix my scheduling and, and continue to be productive throughout the day. Actually, my wife and I were just talking about how hard it is for us to go even go run. I ran for the first time since the start of the year last uh, last night, last evening, yesterday, and it was it was a grueling process. Like I can tell, I have not been doing it, you know. And so, uh, even little things like that, like it, it seems like sometimes I don't have the time to do it. And when we get home, I don't know if you feel this way, Jared, but like whenever I get home, I'm like, I don't want to do anything else. <laughs> like that's me, like checking out. Like I walk in the front door, I set my bag down, I take my tie off, and like I'm done, you know. And that's just not that's not the perspective to have, you know, it's all mentality. Like that's not the reality of it. That's just how I'm approaching it. And I used to be very productive. So anyway, all that to say, we're working on stuff. We're getting there. Um, and thank you for joining in on this episode of the hall of games. Jared, how are you doing? Um, things going well for you in Connecticut. Uh, how are things going as far as planning for this year and, um, jobs and everything? Just quick update for the podcast. It's been going as good as it can. Bumps here and there. Uh, that's fine. I was actually thinking back to our conversation about um, why I hate January. <laughs> and we talked about that a couple episodes ago. Yes. Uh, and 
And one of those is because I think New Year's resolutions are actually better placed at the start of the fall school year, at the, the new school year, because sure. new school year, new me, I think it makes more sense to do that after you've had a long summer. A summer should be the time where you revel in the efforts that you've made throughout the year. And I really feel like fall is a better time to start like new year, new me. But um, we are chugging along almost through the second month of 2023, and uh, it's, it's, it's going. It's going for sure. Uh, and it's it's going all right. Keep chugging along. I do certainly understand what it's like to come home and just want to do nothing. I totally yeah. get that. So you're not alone. It is a temptation I seek to break. I was um, looking at a post that was talking about how I think it was we're the same distance away from 2032 as we are from 2016. Like that's how much time has passed. It's just crazy. Um, that is and- crazy to think about. Yeah, and life keeps chugging forward, and that's why I'm like, you know what? I don't have any excuses. I should be in shape. Uh, I should be on top of my schedule. Like that stuff is stuff that like I've allowed myself to check out of. And yeah, um, there's a variety of reasons. And life's been busy, and I haven't been not productive, but I can certainly do better. I know that I can. Um, and life's just gonna continue to move forward. And I'm like, man, I'm gonna be 30 here in a couple of years. I really, really need to like hone in on what I want my life to be. It was a great focus and uh, something I was doing a lot in my early 20s. Like I said, kind of got derailed in the midst of it. So now I got to get back onto that. I think I think I said saddle, the wagon. Which one is it? Back in the saddle, back in the wagon? Uh, off Fell the wagon? off the wagon, get back in the saddle. They're both appropriate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All the things. I'm going to climb up on something and continue forward. Um, that being said... <laughs> This is the Hall of Games. Uh, each title is chosen from the Bard's backlog and broken down through comprehensive evaluation, including today's candidate. We are the executioners of any candidates not deemed worthy, the skeptic critics of each of those that have been nominated, and of course the keepers, the uh, the soldiers, the um, sentinels of the Hall of Games. And Ooh, we. Yes, we seek to uh, make it a hallowed hall, a hall where only the worthy can enter in. I think we've done a pretty good job of that. Speaking of, I'm very curious how today's episode goes, because today uh, we are doing Doki, Doki Literature Club, which really took the internet by storm, but the question is going to be, should it be in the Hall of Games? Will it make it? We'll have to wait and see. Now, if you're sensitive to spoilers, especially with Doki Doki, just beware. We're going to spoil it out the wazoo. Um, you can participate in our podcast by writing in at askvgb at gmail.com. Uh, again, that is ask, uh, the name, the word ask, and then vgb.com um, at or excuse me, at gmail.com. And there uh, we will read that. We will uh, incorporate that into the podcast if need be. Um, and then you can support us otherwise by following us on a podcast service, dropping a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, turning on notifications when the latest episode drops so that you are following along. Um, last time, we covered Inside, a game that did indeed a small, poignant experience that made it into the Hall of Games, and that preface, uh, that um preceding title may bode well for this week's we'll see how it plays out but great episode go check that out really great game highly recommend before we get into the meat of the podcast though always start off with a question here so jared now this is kind of a general question we don't have to spend too much time on it but do you prefer in general fiction products or non-fiction products so i'm thinking like uh when it comes to film so documentary versus fiction 
or when it comes to books, uh, a non-fic book that you think can benefit your life as opposed to a fictional book that you escape into. Or do you like both? I mean, if you like both, but is there one that you prefer? This is a cop-out answer, but I I have to say both. I can sit down and watch a well film. Do you remember when March of the Penguins came out in 2013? I Yes, I do. <laughs> okay, March of the Penguins had me bawling and crying, oh, and it was a, a gripping experience narrated by Morgan Freeman, of course. Um, I love the... James Attenborough or David Attenborough Attenborough documentaries where he voice. Yeah. David, pardon me. Uh, Attenborough documentaries. He voices anything national geographic or animal related. I'm into it. Um, the ancient apocalypse series by, um, Graham Hancock on Netflix is a fantastic series. And so those are nonfiction works that are excellent, but I can also tell you that breaking bad speaks to my soul. Yes. I just started breaking bad. I know I'm very late. I'm on episode five. I just started it a couple days ago. Whoa, um, whoa, that... whoa, whoa. This is your first time. Correct. Oh my goodness, Jared. Correct. Can we make this a breaking bad podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm excited though to hear like... what you think. I am so you get to the point and spoilers beware for Breaking Bad if you've never seen it. Although I'm probably the only person on planet Earth who hasn't it that hasn't completely this at this point. Um, the you it, uh, Walter White's journey as an individual is so dramatic that you actually start to you don't even feel bad for him that he has cancer. There are so many other things going on in his life. Sure. <laughs> And you go from the like he turns into that guy, he's that oh, yeah. guy, pal. So um, it's it's going to be an incredible journey. I'm looking forward to it. I've had some things spoiled. That's okay. It's an old ask, show. Yeah, yeah. That's some things. Bummer, I'm not but... terribly worried about it. I don't know how it ends. That's okay. So I, I haven't missed anything there. But but yes. Yeah, so fiction or nonfiction, both have their place. I like to write fiction, although I am working on both, and I like to. Um, but I love articles. I love all of it, man. Sometimes, yeah. some uh, who was it? I think Tom Clancy said, "If I if I have, I'm, I don't want to misquote this, but but I'm going to misquote him. But it's something along the lines of the uh, real life. Real life is harder to explain than fiction is sometimes. Mm. Um, in the sense that sometimes we go through things in real life that are just legendary and they change they change everything. People getting shot twenty times and surviving. That's more plausible than fiction. You can't yeah. write that into a book. People would be like, that right. never happens. But, you know, it it does. It has. So so I think that's what he meant by that. But it's uh it's incredible. I, I love both in, in different ways. Oh, what prompted this question? Ah, uh, just thinking about in general, kind of my trends as I've gotten older, I've definitely gotten more into nonfiction. Um, documentaries have been a really good go-to for me. Like when I'm looking on streaming services, like I see all these movies and all of them I haven't seen, and like I tend to still want to go watch a documentary instead, which is I don't know mm. a new phase for me, which I'm okay with. And I love fiction, um, and I'm I'm very much the same way. Both is definitely my cop out answer. If I went for one, like if I told, if I had to be honest and said that I prefer one. Um, I'd probably say fiction, but I found nonfiction to be deeply, deeply um, transformative in my life and has done a lot sure. to better my, better me, um, just either through documentaries or if it's even, I mean, obviously I'm a history major, so like reading historical novels and things from the past and how that can apply to us today 
all of that. Uh, I just get so much out of. So I, I like what I like what you said about kind of a mix of both. Um, I think it's just an interesting premise. Some people cannot stand anything fictional. Like if it's not yes. real, they can't do right. it. Like they won't watch Breaking Bad. They prefer The Bachelor, <laughs> you know, or like sure. some okay, other reality yep. show. Yep. Yeah. Quote on quote unquote reality show. I mean, it's not quite sure. Obviously, right. there's some right. weird stuff going on. Um, but I'm definitely not that way. Like, I have to kind of break out of my shell to watch something that's non-fic, but, or to read something that's non-fic, but I always benefit from it when I do. And I have found, the older I get, that I yearn for that. Sometimes I feel like I'm wasting my time going over these fictional stories, because like you said, um, real life is just, it, it, you cannot, you, you cannot really truly capture it. Stories are meant to be uh, a nice cohesive package with a bow on the end. Sometimes that's subverted, but even in the subversion, there's oftentimes things that are holding it back. You know, the thing that I think of, and I know you've only seen the show, but in the, the books, especially Game of Thrones, um, the Song of Ice and Fire books, were so good at like, nope, this is real life. Like, this is how things happen in real life. You're going to have, okay, spoilers, Ned Stark's going to have his head chopped off even though he's the protagonist you know because there is no true protagonist in life um you're gonna have the starks hurt even further with the red wedding um in the third book or in the third season in the show and that's just going to be something that the characters have to deal with and yeah it seems like things are going to spiral out of control and it's chaotic but that's life that's life you know you said sometimes things are extraordinary that happen to you and it's like wow like that would never have been something i would have expected but sometimes things are also on the other end where it's like arbitrary you know it's like something happens awful or heinous or cruel and life just moves on you know and there's no resolution there's no character development <laughs> um yeah. if anything there's character degradation you know so it's like <laughs> we look in stories and fiction for uh how did the character improve uh how did the plot uh pull all the strings together in the end um you know the cohesion and that's just not how life works and um to get both is good and i think fiction is is wonderful and true truly good fiction will ring true to life but um non-fiction i found to be perfectly honest uh has been a much more um beneficial thing for me especially when it comes to like like specific like advice books like i read a really great book on finances i will teach you to be rich um great book um atomic habits is one that's always been close on my radar uh that i'd like to eventually read <laughs> i probably should i mean i'm talking about all the scheduling stuff i want to do atomic habits should probably be up there uh, on my list of things to get to but yeah uh i think i've seen the benefit of it more i love fiction as well um but I do, I do enjoy a, a mix of both. Some people just simply cannot handle one or the other. So I think it's just, I find that interesting. Um, all right, well, let's jump into our first segment for today. As always, here at the Hall of Games, we start not with our pick, but with the games we play in. Jared and I are currently um, on the side or even for the podcast playing 
I'll start off here. Honestly, outside of um, I've been trying to go back and play Doki Doki. I've been trying to go back and play Star Wars. I've been trying to go back and, and pick up Pokemon Legends again. And so I've dabbled a couple hours in each over the last couple of weeks. Um, but honestly, I haven't had a ton of time. Um, like I said, this month just kind of got really crazy for me. Um, and I was able to finish Metroid Prime. It's not an incredibly long game, but I enjoyed doing that. Uh, a masterpiece, Chef's Kiss, fantastic. Really highly mm. recommend. Uh, best remaster on the Switch by far. Um, and a wonderful, wonderful regeneration of the GameCube to boot. I'm excited to hear another GameCube game from you as well, Jared. But uh, Metroid Prime was a sublime experience. I basically blasted through that in like three days. Um, and then Cyberpunk has been the one that I go to now. I'm, I'm almost at 20 hours in Cyberpunk. I think last time I talked, I was like at eight, like five to eight. Uh, so I've definitely done a lot more. I'm really just exploring the world. Uh, I've gotten past the initial turn in the story. So I've been doing a lot of side quests and uh, really just experiencing the world. Man, what a what an enveloping experience Cyberpunk is. And I look forward to finishing it. Um, it is just so chock full of detail. I think the thing that really like caught my attention uh, and one of my most recent sessions was just some of the like animations. Like when you think of a open world game that has this big of a map and has this many different side quests and stuff, I'm thinking of, I mean, I guess Red Dead uh, or uh, Skyrim or uh, GTA or <clears throat> so on and so forth. All these other games that are Horizon um, that are beautiful, have a lot of things to do, are a ton of fun. But Cyberpunk almost takes it to another level where they build in all this specific animation. Like, little things. Where, like, a character... Instead of you walking into an office and the character's sitting at his desk and he looks up from his computer and looks at you. Instead, the character spins around in his chair. And he puts his feet up on the desk, right? And he adjusts his glasses. And it's, like, all... The, and it's all character-specific, right? Um, and it's all this, like, specific animation, I think, is where it really has been striking me that I'm like, man, they went all out with this, which sucks that it was broken, you know? And sure. to be fair, I've actually experienced quite a few bugs. Um, having put in almost 20 hours, there's still some there. I've had a couple moments where, like, the daytime flipped all of a sudden on me. It was, like, super weird. Like, mid-mission, all of a sudden, it went from day to night. Um, and there wasn't, mm -hmm. like, a transition or anything. It just, like, happened. Um, I had the game crash. It, it froze on me once. Um, and then there's fun, funny little pop-ins every so often. Sometimes I'm doing, like, a side quest. And um, I'm talking to someone. And it doesn't, you know, it's more of a basic conversation with like a cop or something like that and i'll have like 30 people like just shuffle right in front of me while i'm trying to talk to this person actually i learned that i want to stand right up next to an npc so i don't have all these weirdos just walking in front of me while i'm trying to have this conversation <laughs> um so it's a dichotomy like it's a combination of of the jank and the beauty and the attention to detail and the nuance <laughs> as well it's this funny it's this funny thing but i'm loving it that's i a, really am that's an album cover right there the jank and the beauty <laughs> yes yeah that'll be for our uh, our uh, band we need to come up with a band name though we need to come up with a band yeah, we'll see if we can find one in the podcast. But regardless, uh, those have been the primary games I've been playing. Looking forward to covering Pokemon Legends. I have put a good amount of time into that as well. Um, but I'll save that for that episode. Jared, I want to hear about Mario Kart. Tell me. Tell me about Double Dash. How's it been? Dude, it's been it's been great. I So 
Derek and Connor, my two younger brothers, are gamers. Uh, they are. Derek a little bit more than Connor, but they're both gamers. And uh, Connor's incredibly good at Rocket League, or used to be. Derek is really good at first person. He, I come in and he's playing either Fortnite or Overwatch or Call of Duty. He, he kills at all of them. So uh, much better than me. I'm the casual. They're, they're professionals. But um, they, re- they, fi- they found two consoles actually buried in the house. Uh, my old PlayStation 1. I don't know if that works yet. They haven't tried it yet. And the old GameCube. And the GameCube was dusty as all get out. And the button... The, to open the hatch where you put the games in gets stuck all the time, so you have to like slam it and mess around with it to get it to work and everything. But of course, though the two games that they work, unfortunately, uh, Super Smash Brothers Melee doesn't work anymore. Unfortunately, some of the others, which is a huge shame. But there are sorry, there are three games now that we have that work. Um, Mario Kart Double Dash works. It resets itself sometimes, but it, once you get playing, it works and. Uh, uh, Mario Baseball, which I've mentioned on this podcast before. I love that game. One of the most balanced baseball games you'll ever play. It's so much fun. And um, and also a Need for Speed Underground 2, which is, you know, just that standard racing game. It feels feels old, bro. But I, I uh, so I've been playing Double Dash with a brother. And, you know, we, we drive and we switch. And I, I do remember the tension now uh, that I've played it with Derek. I do remember the tension between Brandon and I was never a problem because he never wanted to drive. He always wanted mm. to throw the items and always wanted me to drive. Derek is the opposite. He wants to drive, and yeah. I'm used to driving, so I was like, why don't we play separate? And he's like, well, if we're going to play separate, why don't we play Mario Kart 8? You know? sure, so it's sure. like there is there is that tension there, and I forgot about that. But, but yeah, so the uh, uh, that's been really, really great. Uh, while I'm on the topic, uh, there was another game. So we took it to a retro game store, which are – there's a couple in the area, so they're not too far off. We don't have to drive very far. But um, I picked up Spy Hunter, which is an old obstacle course spy game uh, from my childhood. You play as this spy car that can shoot missiles, you know, James Bondish style, shoot machine guns, uh, drop oil slicks and, and um, um, uh, fog clouds. And you have to EMP targets and track targets. And you have to it's, – it's an obstacle course game, and it's just simple and fun. I love it. So that's been something that I've enjoyed as well. Now – before I continue, oh, and I've also been playing Metroid Prime. Love that game. Love it, love it, love it. It was something that I really wanted to play when I had the GameCube, and now that it's on the Switch, that's just fantastic. But I do have to ask before I continue, Josh, have you played any Hogwarts Legacy? I have not personally. That's a good question, and that's why I haven't listed it here. I bought it. Karina's been playing it, though. Um, I'm trying to be disciplined about like really focusing on Cyberpunk and Pokemon, and not getting distracted by yet another thing. It looks amazing. It like every time she's playing it, I'm just like watching. Like I just stop and I'll just watch what's going on. And I'm like, man. And there's a lot of preliminary stuff. I'm not really looking forward to that. Um, but she's into the meat of it now, and it is just it is a sight to behold. Like this is the Harry Potter game that people dreamed of. You know, at least from yes. what I can tell. Yes. Yes. So what were you gonna say? No, it is. I was going to say that neither have I, but I've been watching Lucy play it, and Lucy is so excited. We're going to take a Disney trip here soon, but she is she while she's so excited to go down there, we are she is not excited to leave behind the PlayStation Five and Hogwarts nice. Legacy. She has loved it, loved every second of it. There's a moment where you walk into um, 
So if you're if you've read the books and you're a Potterhead, this is the game for you. I'm promising you, you will not be disappointed. Um, it is it is everything they said it was going to be and more, and it's incredible. Everything I'm seeing, it's incredible. It will probably be game of the year. Um, you want to bet a pizza on it, Josh? I'd be willing to bet that it's Hogwarts Legacy. I don't even know what else is coming out this year, but I would be I'd be willing to bet it's Hogwarts Legacy. And Zelda, dude. I don't know. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. I'm very. I've I've told you my prediction for that game. I think it'll fall flat on its face, mm. but we'll see. We'll see what happens. So, uh, hey, maybe it's a bet. Maybe I'll end up buying you a pizza at the end of the year. Um, but it's incredible, and the attention to detail is. It's been made for the Potterheads, but it's also an excellent RPG. It's phenomenal. It's 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 great. It's great. It's great. I really can't recommend it enough, and I can't wait to play it. But just like you, I've been hesitating because I don't want to get sucked into another one one of those addictive open world yeah. RPGs that'll just be a massive time sink when I got other things to do. So I'm totally with you there. That's so funny. Um, I love that I we're also, both like living vicariously yes. right now. Through our, yes. Our yeah. Through our girls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, the other games I've been playing, this is, so this is something I'm kind of low key proud of. I'm, I'm nerding out a little bit. I sent Josh a picture last season of Marvel snap. I made it to infinite. I made it to 100 and then I immediately deleted the game because it, t- it took up so many hours of my time. But it was so much fun. I built a deck personally. I didn't have to look anything up. This is occasionally, folks, occasionally I'm not casual. Occasionally I get serious about my gaming. And this was one instance in where I actually succeeded. And I was very happy. But I had to delete it right after that because it was taking so much time. So, But Marvel Snap, uh, can't recommend it enough. Super fun. Even being part of the Reddit community is a huge part. of. If you can find a good Reddit community with your game, which there are almost, if there's a game, there's a Reddit community. So not all of them are active, but it's been a, a, it's been super fun to see things balanced and you actually get to see the creators on there talking about why they nerf things, why they buff things, etc. So it's been yeah. a really fun experience. The last thing I'll mention here is Vampire Survivors, a game Josh said he really enjoyed doing these loops and they last about 30 minutes um and they're a ton of fun too that game is super addicting i really like vampire survivors as well so do you have a favorite weapon yeah the cross i like playing with kochi um the cross he's my favorite um it's not it doesn't actually scale the best i think um but it is it's the most artful i like it the 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 contrast between red Kochi and the light yellow and blue cross, and then yeah. when it upgrades to the sword, it's really cool looking. So yeah, Kochi's my favorite. Nice. Yeah, that's a good one. The cross is fun. It's that boomerang effects. Uh, different. It's very different from a lot of the other projectiles. Okay, great. Well, let's go ahead, move on here to our next segment. Um, and as tradition dictates, we will jump into the default segment My question for you this week, Jared, and you can see here as well. Uh, do you have anything, and maybe just one thing, one or two things off the top of your head, do you have anything that you would place on your anti-bucket list? And by anti-bucket list, for the audience, what I mean is um, 
things that you have done, okay, so maybe even things that were on a bucket list before that you accomplished, but you were either because, there, I guess there's two different ways you can take this, uh, either because you enjoyed it so much or because you hated it so much, you're never going to do it again. That's the anti-bucket list, something you're never going to do again, either for the good reasons or for the bad. Is there anything like that that sticks out to you? Yeah, the top two responses to this question for me are open a credit card. Um, uh, you can kind of go back and <laughs> forth and be like, yeah, you can kind of go back and forth and be like, well, I needed it at the time. Yes, but like most of the time you can kind of figure something out without it most of yeah, the time, yeah. especially if you work really hard or you kind of push it off. Emergency expenses, I certainly understand, and responsible credit card use is a tremendous boon to your life. But, you know, it can be a pain in the butt to deal with too. And then the second biggest thing for sure is I'll never drive through New Jersey again. Enough said. Screw New Jersey. I hate that <laughs> state. It is, it, is the, it is New York's... Um, well, I'm not going to say the word, but it is it is not a good place. I will never go through. I I hate New Jersey. There's like very there's like nothing redeemable about it. Um, it's just about we can annex that off. We can give it to climate change if that'll make the climate gods happy. I am perfectly okay <laughs> sacrificing New Jersey. Cannot stand that place. Um, and then for a, more of a response of what you were looking for. Uh, probably never going to ride a pirate ship ride at a low-budget carnival that comes to town. Mm. Those things are, I have seen viral clips. They scare the junk out of me, dude. I I probably will not be riding any uh, rides at, at those theme parks or letting my kids ride them. I hate to say that, but like... Unless it's from a reputable place, I am not interested. I have I've seen some crazy stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah. I assume there are. Uh, oh, and I'll probably never play a Fire Emblem game again. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Wow. That's a little harsh. That's a little harsh. Um, I've been thinking about playing true. Engage. That came out this year. I've been I thinking about playing them too. I see them on the shelf. I'm like, oh, oh you tricky, tricky. We'll see. But uh, <laughs> how about you, Josh? What's on your anti bucket list? Those are some fun ones. I like that. Uh, poor New Jersey. Yeah, I have a friend from New Jersey. Um, uh, Daniel's his name, and he he talks about it in very traumatic terms. And growing up, or not growing up there, but going there after he graduated from college, he was there for uh, several years. And <laughs> he'll just he'll tell me some stories. And everything gets compared to New Jersey for him. Like he's like, oh man, like you should be grateful. It's not like this in New Jersey. Or like, oh man, like the price is here so much better than in New Jersey, and like so on and so forth. So. Um, definitely, uh, you know, I guess anti shout out to New Jersey. What's the, anti yeah, shout after, out? Just... after driving through New Jersey, the word turnpike is a cuss word for me. I, I really <laughs> am. I'm so over that place, man. Yeah. New England in general. I mean, the, the East coast, it's so old compared to the rest of the country. It's like so congested. So I always get a little, I don't know, um, claustrophobic. When I'm driving, like in New York, I think New York's really the only New England state that I've been to, so that's my one experience. But definitely felt that there. Uh, Anti-bucket list stuff for me. Um, ah, shoot, I just had one off the top of my head and it disappeared. Um, <clears throat> I will never again be a driver's ed teacher. I don't think, um, <laughs> unless it was like absolutely necessary. I'm I'm totally okay with that being a part of my past and never doing it again. It was a stressful thing at the end of every day. I did not look forward to it. 
I, I loved a lot of the kids. Like I got to know them and it was fun to talk with them and, and teach them, you know, some, some solid life skills, but the placing of my life into someone else's hands who has no, um, you know, understanding of like the sanctity of life yet <laughs> is yeah. just a nerve wracking thing that I did not need. So I'm glad to see that go. I also will, um, man, I had a different one and it had, I should have written it down cause I, I knew I'd forget it. Um, I don't think I will ever be able to go to any country that's on a vaccine list and i've thought about that quite a bit i know i probably i don't know if this will ever change but i went to japan once i'll probably never do that again that's not because i don't want to i'd love to but because of the vaccine requirements um <clears throat> so that was another thought i had and man i it's sad truly myself sad out. it is it's a bummer like that's just how things are like crane and i were talking about like oh well, like we should save up next summer try to go out of country and it was like oh but where are we gonna go you know like where can we go that doesn't require us to get a vaccine? It's like, well, pretty much everywhere does. And I just, and I know a lot of it's anecdotal, okay? But the plural of anecdote is data. I see so many stories of young men, people in my age bracket, who have so many complications from it. And I'm just like, I don't want to do it. Like, I just don't want to deal with it. I've had COVID like three times. I'm good, you know? So anyway, all that to say, just something I think I'm just going to have to live with in my life, which is fine. It's okay. For most of history, people didn't travel more than like 15 miles away from their towns, you know, that they grew up in. <laughs> so like, whatever, it's not a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will never, this is not the other thing I was thinking of, but I'll end with this. Uh, I will never fall asleep in a car where, uh, my brother is driving. <laughs> never do that oh, again. Oh dear. <laughs> uh, one of the worst wake up experiences I had was when I came to, uh, we were traveling. It was from college back home. It's a two day trip. Um, and I, I had just taken the night shift. So I was from like one o'clock to four I was driving. And so at four I was wiped and I fell asleep in the back of the car and my brother took over, and he hadn't gotten enough sleep or something. And so I come to, like, 30 minutes, maybe even an hour in, and I look over at him. First off, he has turned the AC up to the point where it's freezing, and he did that because he was trying to stay awake. Um, and so I'm sitting in the back, like, hardly even able to sleep at all. But I look up, and I, like, my heart dropped because his eyes were closed, and his head was oh, down. Man. And I was like, Gabe! And I, like clapped like tried to get him to wake up and he's like oh i'm so sorry and i just like at that point i was like pull over right now <laughs> like oh, never again is this gonna happen very stressful and we just stopped and i told him like you sleep i'm gonna sleep a little bit longer we can wait we do not have to drive like we do not Correct. have to drive through you Correct. know like that is not something we have to do right now so anyway stressful time for sure um, if I can think of the other one, maybe in a future episode, I'll bring it up, but, uh, interesting way of approaching life, you know, thinking about the things you, you just won't, won't ever do. There's a <laughs> lot of things though. Like I've done, I regretted it. I'd do it again. I'd try yeah, it again. Sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like even yeah. some like very bad things, <laughs> like very damaging things. Like, ah, you know, <laughs> YOLO. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say what those are, <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's end there and let's jump into our pick. And I don't think this is going to take us too long here. Doki Doki Literature Club.
first question here, Jared, before I get into anything else, where did you play this game? On the Switch. What, on the Switch. Did it cost? It did. I bought a hard copy. I, you know me. I like hard okay. copies of games. It was like uh, twenty four ninety nine. I think maybe not that mm. much. I, that sounds a bit high. So I, I don't. I don't remember how much it was. I ordered it on GameStop, and they sent it to me. And yeah. Okay. Interesting. So based off that, before we get into the story of it, really, it's not much of a game at all. This is a visual novel style with a plot twist or several plot twists, I guess you could say. Um, but based off of that, do you think it was worth the purchase? Yes. Yes, okay. I do. Interesting. Yes. Okay. I w- because I when this game... To, yeah. Okay. So you'd recommend it. Good. Okay. So I guess we'll see how that conversation goes. I was just going to say the game... When it first came out on Steam, which is where I played it, I played it on the computer, um, it was free. It was free. And I'm like, I feel like that's how this game should be. I think it should be free because it's it's an experience, one that you really can't get anywhere else. But And maybe it's because I didn't have to buy it, but I really didn't feel like I needed to pay for it. Um, it seems more like... And I know we haven't talked about it, but it seems more like a, a concept on the R&D table, you know, um, and not one that has actually been hammered into a full-fledged thing. I don't know. That's just me. But uh, you purchased it. You spent the money. You feel like it was worth it. So, Jared, tell me about your overall impression of Doki Doki Literature Club and um, what you thought of the plot and the the premise in general um before you though go i wanted to mention my brief experience with it i i played through it i had heard about it back when it, i think it was 2017 when it was like really popping off and uh karina and i were really close at the time we were going into our uh second full year of dating so uh, very much like in sync you know getting into that like we knew each other very well and i knew that this game was gonna like scare the uh living daylights out of her so i forced her to sit down and play it we actually played it in the commons um uh over the course of several um sessions and it was just funny to watch her reactions and there's a lot of like inappropriate stuff so like she's like turning red and like trying to hide the screen and stuff so i just had like a lot of fun experiences with that um but her and her roommate were both like playing it at the same time and talking about it and i just like anytime i think about this game i think about that time in my life i think Mm. about uh dating karina and i think about like how fun it was to like watch her reactions to stuff that was when i was really starting to like you know show her things that before in our relationship you know that might be something i tuck away (laughs) you know i'm not gonna necessarily (laughs) bring that out into the limelight yet but like an a, a girly anime dating sim that has a twist like that's something that at this stage in our life we were willing to kind of you know talk through and enjoy together and i just i think about that uh the conversations her her freaking out like all of that is tied in with this game for me um and so my impressions of it are ones of nostalgia are ones of of a fun time um but for you jared here in 2023 what was your all overall impression and um takeaway well my impression as i was playing this was that this is not a game for control freaks um you oftentimes <laughs> yeah. have no idea what's going on you have no idea what you're doing wrong you have no idea you know what's coming next or what's actually happening in the background and that's something that becomes clearer to you as you play through little hints little foreshadows here and there let's be very clear this is a horror 
visual novel that you play yeah. through. It has some game elements. You get to write poems for certain characters. In that way, it is gamey. Um, but for the most part, it is an experience more than it is a game. I certainly see your point with that. Um, but my overall impression was that this was more well done than it had to be. Um, this sure. was actually supremely well written for what it was for. Um, and I, I actually, I say this not knowing how large the studio was that created it. I do know that the creator leaves a heartfelt message at the very end, explaining his fascination with visual novels and the emotions that they create. And that's what inspired him to create this, to make you actually feel something. And the, the game, the way that it makes you feel things is certainly, it's, it's something that you can't experience again, you know? Um, and it, it was, it was fascinating for sure. Uh, uh, but overall impression is that it was certainly not for anyone who loves a lot of control and certainly for people who love routine in their gaming. <laughs> That's funny. No, yeah, it's definitely a scripted experience that it's going to tunnel you down. And I think some of the confusion is a part of that experience. And yeah, yes. you have to kind of just uh, submit yourself and be along for the ride. It's not like other dating sims um i've only played one other dating sim but in general dating sims are all about like there's a there's a slew of either girls or guys depending on which direction and you slowly pick one or even you know juggle a couple and um you kind of have a lot of agency you have a lot of uh, decisions that you can make not so a doki doki it kind of gives you the illusion that it's doing that at the start uh, but very much a scripted experience. So yeah, over the course yes. of time, it definitely plays out in that way. Um, the name of the publisher is Team Salvato, and it's a very small publisher. Uh, right, right. They and I think that they did something really cool here by making it free when it came out because the fact that it's free means it has a ton of bang for its buck, and the the uh, experience itself is one that I think you really can't say no to because it's free as long as you're okay with obviously the premise. Um, and I was trying to see if they did anything else, and they haven't done anything since 2017. And honestly, I kind of wish they had. I think Doki Doki really, and this is like a perfect game for the internet age, um, because that was why it became so popular. I mean, it's a, it's one of like a hundred thousand, you know, um, waifu anime fan servicey games on Steam. Like, it's not going to stand out from the pack in that respect. But because of its subversions that caught, you know, a trend on the internet and that made it all of a sudden something way bigger. Um, on Steam right now, it's sitting at almost 200,000 reviews, which is insane for a free yes. game that's for small a free like game, this yes. one. Yeah. Yes. Um, so you can tell, you know, it caught it caught the zeitgeist for its time in the, in the sun. And I'm kind of wondering why team salvato never followed up with it because this really is and maybe they still are i mean it's been 2017 so it's been six years so maybe their cycle of production is just going to take that long um but i don't see anything on their website or anything like that so i wonder what happened there but they really did with this initial entry just just nail what they were planning on doing here, which was uh, surprising, uh, titillating, and shocking the internet, you know? And I think they did a really good job, for sure. Uh, that being said, gameplay. So let's talk about that first. I think it's the, kind of the shortest thing. Gameplay, you've already mentioned. Uh, now, it's called Doki Doki Literature Club, which Doki Doki means, like, heartbeat, right? Or, like, 
heart thumping or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> literature club. So it's a club after school. These are school, school girls. Um, being in my 20s now, I feel a lot more uncomfortable with it. Back in college, I felt a little bit better about it. Um, and <laughs> in general, obviously, it's just kind of like, you know, it's a little risque and um, they'll say suggestive things. In fact, that starts to even twist on itself later where it's like the things they're suggesting are like, no thanks. Um, and um, all of that's a part of it. But when it comes down to the gameplay, like you have some prompts, you're answering questions. At like I said at first, it seems like you have agency on like how the conversations go. You begin to realize you don't really have too much of that. Um, and the literature club itself, you've joined um, the main chick Monica, the president of the literature club, and all the other girls. You're like the one boy who's in the club uh, are excited about it. They're gearing up for like this festival or something like that. And, um, through your sessions there, you go to the club, uh, you'll, the, like the picking of the words, I don't even remember what was going on there. I just remember like, there was like lists of words and I'm like, what, like, I, do you remember what that was? Like, yeah. Am okay. I, was yeah. I picking like synonyms? I can't remember. You were picking words that would fall in favor with one of the three girls you were writing a poem for. I see. Um, okay. So on your first playthrough, you're going to write a poem that your fellow literature club members, you're the only guy, there's four other girls, um, you're going to write a poem um, and you're going to show it to each of the members at the next club. Clubs take place after school, so after school is done, you go to the club and you um, show them your poem. And certain of the girls will resonate with how you've written. So some of them yeah. like dark things, some of them like happy things, some of them like sweet, cute things, you know? So you have to decide even unintentionally at first, cause you don't know who likes what really um, who's. And then if you write, you know, a certain number of words, that person will be, will unlock a special cutscene with you um, in the next um part of the game you unlock a special cutscene, and you get to see unique art for that character and you kind of it feels like you are winning them over so you're like oh so like if you've never played this before you're like oh i'm winning this person over and you know it's a dating sim like that's what it's called it's a horror dating yeah. sim but you know it's a dating sim so you're playing along like okay well you know yuri seems nice let's win the heart of yuri right and so you you play through and then the next time you have a poem maybe you accidentally or intentionally pick words that Sayori likes more and so when you when you do that um Sayori gets uh you get a cut scene with Sayori following so that's the 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 only really gameplay um is that there which is when you you choose a poem and it it kind of says oh this girl likes that more so that's where the gameplay comes into effect there and that's it like that's literally it that's it the rest that's of it, it is just you're you're clicking on prompts um, yes. And so because of that, like I said, you really can't call it a game too much. And it's even nonsensical. Like you even have less agency than, at least in my opinion, than say even Ghost of Tsushima's haikus. Like it just doesn't seem like, and maybe they're on the same level or maybe a little bit more, but it, you're, you're just going along with what's going on really is what's happening. So um, from that side of it really don't expect much uh but where this game of course really shines is in the characters and the story that comes forth from these characters so i'm looking at the list of the five main characters i'm just going to read it really quick in their their descriptions um you're the protagonist the only male, male character uh monica is the club's president the literature club's president uh, sayori is the cheerful and smiley club's vice president Yuri is the shy and sophisticated club's vice president. 
Um, and then it says Natsuki is a kind girl who has a tough demeanor, whatever that means. So, you know, kind of anime tropey, you know, girls who all have a crush on you and they're all vying for your attention, um, pretty much from the moment they meet you. And, um, that is what the start of the game is like, but then come the twists. So, uh, Jared, tell me, uh, moments wise, what stood out to you? Like what? Cause once the, uh, the bunny is out of the hat, you know, like once that trick has been shown after that, there was a lot of diminishing return that I thought, uh, with the game where it seemed like it just kept trying to shock me and shock me more and do other things and, um, and scare me more and like, uh, going on and on and on. A lot of that stuff ended up blending together, but I will never forget the first moment where it turns. Um, and I'm wondering if you're the same way or if there were other moments later that stood out to you. Do you think it kept the ball rolling as it continued, or do you think it was kind of a, a one trick pony and after that didn't have much to say? No, for me, it kept the ball rolling. And that's just, uh, you know, a part of that maybe because I'm, I'm kind of sensitive to horror stuff. I think I've mentioned on this podcast before that, uh, I do not like blood and gore. I don't mm. like, um, despair in tones the guy who wrote midsummer yeah. and hereditary like the despair the hopelessness that's truly yes. demonic and that gentleman is is disturbed in my opinion um, <laughs> 100%, 100%. Know, I, I think so like the, there's a demonic presence to his films i truly believe that and um so yeah the the gut punch um and folks from here on out major spoilers but the gut punch that is the end of act one, which is Sayori's death, um, is incredible. Yeah. Now there is, there is the perfect, in my opinion, amount of lead up to this, which is Sayori is usually bright and happy. And for some reason, after you join the club, she starts to get sadder and sadder and sadder until finally you go over to her house, your childhood friends, and she confesses that she has been dealing with depression and it's overwhelming. And she describes it very accurately. Um, it's overwhelming. It hangs like a cloud or whatever else. And it just, it suppresses her. Sometimes it's hard for her to even get out of bed. And this shocks you. And it shocks you as the player too, because you're like, what? You were so happy and cheery and everything like that. And so you have later on two choices. You can either confess your love for her or tell her you'll always be friends. She does not take either correctly. She says, wow, this feels crappy. And then the next morning, you go to school without her. Normally, you walk with her, and you're like, well, she's probably sleeping, and it's fine. And it kind of slips your mind a little bit. And then you get to school, and Monica's like, where's Sayori? And you're like, oh, she's not here. And so eventually, you, you, she writes a very disturbing poem, which is one of the main key ways these characters convey what's really going on behind the scenes to you. And you run back to her house, and there she is. Um, she's hung herself. And so yeah. it is an absolutely visceral gut punch. At least it was for me. I was like, what the heck? Because the game, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure you remember experiencing this yourself and seeing Karina deal with it as well. Um, the game makes it seem like it was your fault. Like you did it wrong. So, you know, you know, and then from right, there, right. that's what, that was, you know, it, for me, it kept the ball rolling because you have the gut punch and then you're like, okay, let me save and, and restart and you lose that. The game knows, oh, you've gone too far. You messed up. You messed up. And so um, the, 
even if you have this dreadful feeling in your the pit of your stomach before, you may have saved too late. And so you go in there and the game restarts and um, it kind of fixes itself and then it doesn't. And then all it, all hell breaks loose after that. It's like it just yeah. goes haywire and, and, and more things go uh, go poorly. And you feel like, oh, I'm going to restart. I'm going to try again because I messed up somehow. And that's what originally that was my first impression. When I got to that point, I thought, oh, I messed this up. I'm playing this game all wrong, or so I thought. And actually, that's exactly the right way to play, is to do your best to try to figure out what's going on, what did I do wrong, how can I improve, only to be satisfyingly uh, told at the end of the game that it, none of this was your fault. You're totally fine. Right. <laughs> that's the thinly veiled lie, that you're in control. And when you yes, realize that you're not, exactly. you kind of let go of some of that stuff. But you're right. Um you feel like it's your fault because you're the one that's making these quote unquote decisions and led down this particular path. And you're wondering like, yes. Oh, that was like, maybe that was one of the endings, you know, but it turns out, yes. no, that's literally just a part of the first act and it's all supposed to happen. Um, but yes. yeah, her, her, her poem, it's like, it says like, get out of my head over and over and over. And you're yes. just like, Ugh. makes me very uncomfortable. Um, having seen some of that myself in my own life and, um, sure. Seeing how, yeah, depression and and the madness that comes with that can overtake someone. It felt all too real in the midst of what was an otherwise cheery and silly game. Um, Just like this person bouting with, like, really, really, like, seemed like heavy depression. And then when she does hang herself, I remember, like, the blood draining from my face. Like, I just felt sick to my stomach. Like, I was just watching it, like, what, what just happened? Um, and it only gets crazier from there. I remember when Karina did it, she just like mouth was open and didn't say a word. She wasn't like, what was happening? She was just like watching it, you know? Yes. And then You're, finally yes. when it's like been processed at that point, she begins to say like, what in the world is this game? What are you making me play? <laughs> um, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, well, I'll keep playing. <laughs> um, you, yeah, there's warnings all over the game. There's warnings at the start of the game. There's warnings from people on the community sites before you buy it, before you purchase it. And it's not enough because you will have a trauma response to how this game um, handles things. And, you know, to be frank, it's you can almost never warn anyone enough, really. It's just yeah. like, just be yeah. as prepared as you can be. But they they take they take the control from you so aggressively and all of a sudden that it just feels overwhelming and it feels dark. And I honestly thought once it happened that um, I was like, oh, so this is why it's a horror game. It's because if I make the wrong decision, I'm going to kill off each one of these characters until I get it right. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And then when you try to load the game or, you know, load an old save it won't let you. It's like, sorry, yeah. it's corrupted yeah. in new game, and it forces you down this track, which is where, you know, you get this this uh, illusion of control, of course. So, yeah, it's it's pretty intense, for sure. It's bizarre, too, after that. Like, that's when things just start to unravel. Um, you could call it a psychological horror, and really, the the creators here are doing everything in their, can- in their power to really psych you out. Um, act one builds up, 
like we said, silly visual novel um, with a bunch of flirting stuff with all of a sudden this awful death at the end. And you're questioning why and you're wondering if it was your fault. And then act two, it like reloads. Like you said, it takes you back to the main menu. This is where it starts to like get really subversive. Uh, The game takes you back to the main menu. Like you said, it won't let you pick any of the uh, safe files that you've done before. You have to load in a new game. And on the main page, Sayori's gone. Um, she committed suicide in what you had just watched, but now it's like she never existed. And it's like, yes. what? And it starts back up, and you go through the starting process again, but Sayori's not there. And you're like, and, and everyone's acting like she never existed. And you're just like, what in the world? And then it just starts to get more and more disturbing, where um, it's obvious that the characters themselves are either insane already or uh, are, are going in that direction and they're yeah. starting to say things more and more, like just dropping in conversation where it's like deeply uncomfortable um, or they'll, uh, they'll like have little visual things that happen where like uh, there's like the most common thing is like glitches that are occurring where like one of the characters yes. looks like it's just yeah. like glitching out and you're like, Oh, what's going on there? Sometimes it's like their eyes are gone or sometimes it's like just eyes and it's like little creepy things like that. Every now and then the text will like turn from like the standard, whatever the font is that they use to like this uncomfortable looking like black yep. covered text that yep. like pops off the screen and isn't even in the box the way it's supposed to. It just, everything starts to like go haywire very much making it seem like there's a br- a bug or like the game wasn't developed correctly but all of it's done to just unsettle and frighten you and then it's combined with all these visuals and every so often like something that like pops up or uh just like something dark just like something you really can't get out of your mind after it happens and you're just kind of at the mercy of the game as it takes you on this this wild like this really wild ride like act two like i said in my opinion and i can see why other people think otherwise like once it starts to do all that stuff it starts to get old hat for me pretty quick where i'm like okay Mm. this is the gimmick you know this is the the turn where it's it's gonna break the fourth wall it's gonna uh eventually they even address you as the player they get past the protagonist they're talking to you specifically and it's gonna do everything to kind of like weird you out and make you think that this is a video game and it's really not and because of that a lot of that later stuff kind of blends together for me um but you tell me, Jared, were there other moments outside of the major suicide at the start that like really stood out as like subversive, unsettling, um, just things that you're going to remember? Yes. So originally, um, like I was telling you, I thought like, oh, okay, I've accidentally killed someone um, by making the wrong choices. And I originally rejected Sayori because I was like, well, it's a dating sim. I'll just choose Yuri, right? So I was going for Yuri. Sure, so I had sure, done sure, a sure. couple of cut scenes. So I was like, oh, okay. So I chose wrong. Maybe I have to tell Sayori I love her to save her and then I can move or pivot or whatever else. So I was like, okay. But then she wasn't in the game. So I was just dealing with Natsuki and Yuri and um, and Monica. So I was like, okay, well, here we go. I'll do, I'll do my best again. <laughs> Although the wind had been taken out of my sails quite a bit. <laughs> but that's the purpose of it. Um, and I really feel like if I could make an overall comment that the game really had its had its way with me and it was one of the best experiences I've had where a game really just like it it just caught me off guard. Um I I just I I went the wrong direction with my thought process every time until I realized what was actually going on. And so for me it was exhilarating and I I felt like very well done to be frank. But um there are a couple more moments that follow that. Some of, you know, 
the, there's a, n- another fight, not just a mild disagreement, another fight between Yuri and Natsuki where their mental health is seriously compromised. And you start to really feel like, yeah, maybe they are crazy deep down. And how do I fix this? And so, you know, I kept going with Yuri and she just loses control. She becomes obsessive and, and just wacko. And then it's revealed that she is cutting herself. And the moment where you see her like shaking, you know, and coming from the corner and she's like, her arms are just bloodied from cutting herself. And you realize, oh my gosh, you know, she, she actually wrote a poem about this and it was so veiled that you didn't catch it the first time. Um, Mm. And eventually she corners you and she says, do you love me? And you're kind of like, well, I'm not going to make the mistake the, the first time. So I say yes, even though this girl is scaring me. And she's in right in front of you, stabs herself twice. And yeah. then the game really breaks for good. And you spend the weekend staring at um, Yuri's decaying body. So That's it's right. It's, yes. It yes. And so and you can skip that dialogue, which I eventually did. It was taking so long. I was like, what's going on? And I hit the skip button and fast forward and I was like, oh, days are passing. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going through the weekend. And then sure enough, the it's Monday, Natsuki comes in, you've been stuck there all weekend, and she vomits. They physically draw her vomiting on herself as she sees Yuri's dead, lifeless body. And then Monica comes Monica comes in and is like, oh, Oh, that's a bummer. I guess I messed up. And you're like, what? You know, you've been getting hints up until that point, but it's it's crazy. And then eventually another key moment is Monica forces you to choose her. And then that last final shoe to drop is when you're alone with, and it's just Monica. And actually, out of respect for um, that moment, which was such a big shoe drop, the next game I played was, oh, Pokemon Arceus. And I named my character just Monica. <laughs> nice. That's, that's what I like to do. I like to name wow. my, my RPG character after the last game I played. Um, but, but anyway. Brave so man. It, it, well, so they you know, were calling me just Monica the whole time I played Pokemon Arceus. But the, uh, yes. So the moment, for me, it did not turn into old hat. And maybe because... And this is, I think, where we conceptually differ. Because I purchased a physical cartridge and booted up a game, and even though it looked like a PC, so they recreate the feeling of downloading this game onto your PC. And okay. even though that is recreated, or because that's recreated, it feels more like a game to me than I suppose it did to you. To you, you are very clearly you're like, this is a visual novel. It is not actually a game. And that's fine. I really, I don't have a single problem with that description. Um, but to me, it felt more gamey. And I just enjoyed the experience all all through. Good. I mean, I, I'm glad you did. Um, I'd say Karina probably fell in the same category. I was asking her actually before the podcast what she remembered. Uh, the two things well she brought up like some of the like creepy imagery uh, but the two things she said right off the top of her head was sayori suicide and then the just monica at the end where you're just like and monica when you either play through it again or when in my case i watched someone else play through it again she just is creepy the entire time really yes. she's the only character i'm pretty sure she's the only character that's looking directly on like full face, not profile at all. Uh, a lot of them are turned or posed in some way, shape, or form. She's not. She's facing directly at you. 
and every time she talks, she's like looking directly at you, which is not the case for all the other characters. They're kind of, yes. you know, they're turned off to the side or they're they're hiding behind their hand and giggling or whatever. Um, and she's just watching you. Turns out she's basically like at the end, the impression I got was like she's infiltrated your computer or at least she's infiltrated the game or she's made the game or something. She deletes everybody else. It's just you. And she just talks to you over and over and over. And. I looked this up, but the way to actually officially end the game, you actually have to go in. And the game hints at it. It actually tells you a bunch of times, like, oh, better not delete that file or whatever. Uh, But you have to, like, go into the files of the game, like you would on a computer, go down to a particular uh, processing code and delete it. And if you do, then you take, basically, control back from Monica. You get out of Monica's grip, as it were. And um, I think after that one, I don't know if I played past that because I kind of felt like that was the ending. I know there's like three different endings and I didn't ever see any of the other ones. Um, And I'm pretty sure it does continue on from there where like someone else basically becomes Monica or something like that. But to me, that was really where it was like, this is what the game was getting at. Um, It stripped everything away. It made it seem like it was going to be this fun thing with these five characters. By the end of it, it turns out, nope. Um, you've been manhandled by this video game. Monica is in control, and you have to just sit there and stare back at her as she stares into your soul. And it was definitely something that stuck with me, but it was just interesting asking Karina, like, those are the things that stuck with her as well. And where the game really does, I think, catch people by surprise, catch the internet by storm, and really stands out from the pack. Like I said, though, it's a one-trick pony. I don't think you can have a sequel to this. Like, everyone's going to be looking for the thing, you know, going into a sequel. This has to be something you walk into blind, you experience blindly, and really, quite frankly, there's no other way to play this Correct. game. I'm glad Correct. that happened for yes. you. Yes. Like, super yeah, glad that happened for you. That nobody spoiled it. I know you had friends suggesting it, and they're like, oh, you got to try it. But um, the fact that you were able to go in and have that experience is one that um, I'm glad I had, and I'm glad you did too. Um, because what? it really is, there's nothing like it anywhere on the face of the earth. <laughs> like, there's really yeah. not. Uh, gaming so, or otherwise. The actual, so the experience was spoiled for me. But let me let me clarify when I say that. I have never been more thankful for my crappy memory than when I played this game. So nice. years ago, years ago, I watched a biggest fourth wall breaks in, in entertainment, a video on YouTube. You know, I was bored late at night and I watched it. And they mentioned Just Monica. This was, you know, a, a year or so after it came out. And they talk about how Just Monica actually goes into your files and reads your actual username. So I named my character Arsene after um, the uh, ability from Persona 5, which is the game I was playing before this. Right, and, that's funny, yeah. And she was like, and um, Monica is talking to you as the player, and she's like, no, 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 I don't mean you, Arsene. I mean you, the player. Uh, what do you call yourself, Jer Ben or something? And she uses your actual, like, yes. you nintendo id name and that for me i was like oh that's creepy oh that's creepy <laughs> um another great moment and this game is the king of um really cr- you know i think that's one of the best fourth if not the best fourth wall break one of the most effective fourth wall breaks i've ever had the others being deadpool's yeah. fourth wall breaks in the movies because they're so freaking funny um yes. but then that's a, a, used to great effect right the uh, so when it comes to you know, this game, and once you've had all of the things, you know, you've played it through, it's been spoiled for you, you can then go in and Monica hints at this, you can delete her from the game, 
and then she's not actually deleted. She pretends to be deleted and then eventually says, I can't do this anymore. I can't just stand by and watch and deletes the entire game. And then you can actually start fresh, start anew. But then you run the risk of knowing how to do that, starting your run through. You go in, you know Monica's going to go nuts, and so you delete her preemptively. But then what happens is that in the game, Sayori becomes the president of the literature club, and then she, the, the game starts off right away. What is this? What is happening? Oh, I hate this. This is absolutely awful. And she deletes the entire game, and the game cuts to a cutscene of Sayori hanging herself anyway. And if you wait 10 minutes, uh, there's a phrase fades into... Um, fades into the screen and it says at least everyone can be happy now. And so the idea is that the president, the club president is the self-aware one. Whoever gets assigned that role is self-aware. That's how the game is programmed and you ruin lives if you do that. The actual true happy ending is you have to play the game. You have to get all uh, 10 of the special cutscenes. So that's three each for each girl and one for Monica. And then once you get the secret ending or the special, the good, the one good ending, um, you, which is not actually good because you have to play through, see Sayori die, see Yuri kill herself, etc. Um, then you get the final Monica scene. Then the developer will say, "Hey, you've reached the actual special ending. Here, you know, thank you so much for playing, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. So the game does have that. Now, where where do we go from here? All of the horror elements of this game were chef's kiss. They were perfection. I I loved it. Your jaw drops when you play through. Um, and it drops a second or third time when you look. There's a line in here, and this will be on my Goaties category. I've already written it down for a biggest moment, uh, one of the biggest moments, is when you uh, play through a second time and you know what's coming, Monica says, well, hey, you know, you really left, you know, where is Sayori? You really left her hanging this morning. And that line, after you play through the second time, is just, I was my jaw dropped again. I was like, oh, oh gosh. I did not even catch that the first time through, you know. So yeah. it was it's it's got a lot of moments like that. Tons of Easter eggs, posters in the very background of the scene depicting what's coming ahead, foreshadowing and all this different stuff. But but again, it is a one trick pony. Where do you go from here? What I really wanted at the end of the game, because there's so much good stuff in here. All of the slice of life anime energy is in the dialogue in the best way. These characters are actually deep. They actually, you know, write thoughtful things. You can see the heart of the developer, you know, on the sleeve of this game. It's really actually in there. And I actually genuinely enjoyed the way all of the characters were written, um, which is something that, you know, not every game has. Um, and one of the things that I actually was very, my biggest disappointment after playing this game was the fact that there wasn't an actual dating sim behind it. Um, mm. I, and I, I think that is the critique. That's really the, the critique. For what it is, you thought you were going to be playing a dating sim, and they actually give you enough to really enjoy the characters. Like, oh, this will be tricky. And, and actually, uh, on my first thought, which is, if I choose wrong, they will die, I thought that is a freaking intense challenge. And I was looking forward to that possibility of... Yeah, if I choose yeah. wrong, all hell breaks loose. If I choose right, no one dies. You know, that's a perfect game where no one dies. Maybe I'm going to do six or seven run-throughs before I get to the point where no one dies, and I've navigated all the issues, but that doesn't happen. The game ends kind of abruptly, uh, at least before, you know, you think it should, and getting the real ending, you still have to go through all the misery anyway. So it's kind of funky, but I really feel like, uh, and this is kind of like my 
again, overall note and, you know, my, my final thoughts on this game, really, because I love the art. I love the poems. I'd love to share a poem with you guys, uh, the listener, just to demonstrate that this game actually gets deep, but like, or at least enjoyable, is that the, the developers have two choices. They can either make an actual horror dating game, like I talked about, and I think they'd be phenomenal at it. Sure. Or, or they can come up with a sequel to this, which is you actually either actually you know get to play dating the characters in a normal sense, and it's a real actual dating sim, or um, it's some kind of follow up, maybe or something like that. I, I have no, maybe the girls in college or something, or you. Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea. I have no idea. But the the de- I trust the developers so much that I really want them to make a sequel. I want them to make another game, um, and I think you alluded to that earlier too. Like what have they been doing? You know. Um, uh, the the biggest issue with this game is long term replayability. Short term sure. replayability is great. It'll it'll take up your weekend in in a, in a great way. But that's all it's going to take because after that, there's a lot of diminishing returns and there's not that much gameplay depth after you've gotten gotten through you know the kind of the game it's the game itself. It really it doesn't even take you that long to beat it three different ways. You know so. Yeah, no, and I think, I mean, it kind of reminds me of Undertale in that way. Yes. Where Undertale is, like, really good replayability when you first play it, but over time, kind of like, okay, you know, I don't know if I ever f- will feel the need to go back and play that. Yes. Um, and <clears throat> Doki Doki, see, you're saying, here's 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 the thing. Um, you're saying if they went the one route where it was a true dating sim, it would be totally either different or, or more in-depth and better, whatever you may, may say. I think that's where I feel the game does feel more like a concept and less like a game is that it is so limited. There's not an actual dating sim behind it. Um, so if there was, that might lead to a deeper, I guess, deeper is the word. I don't know if deeper is the word, but uh, a more gameplay focused experience. Or sure. you said follow up with a sequel. Personally, I can't see a sequel to this. I don't think, at least for this particular set of people, for this particular story. If they did another uh, a spiritual successor that was also going to be a visual novel but also did some surprising things, um, they could do that. But it's almost like trying to catch lightning in the bottle twice. And I've just, over the course of time, over everything that I've consumed in media, I've seen that fall flat, you know? And I've seen that over and over and over, the creator unable to recreate that magic. So that would be my concern if they made either a direct sequel or even a spiritual successor. People would be going in with this expectation, and because of that, it's not going to be as impactful. That being said, okay, so if they made it into Dating Sim, for me, I think that'd be more in-depth. I think it would be less of a concept, more of a game. If they made a sequel, I think that'd be the wrong move. Uh, That being said, um, I think what you have here is what it ought to be. Um, There's something about, and I'm going to ask you this question, Jared, what you think was like the most unsettling, most horrific thing about this game. For me, there's something about the lack of control. Like the the feeling out of control, the feeling helpless in what's going on, and at, over the course of time, realizing your decisions don't really matter, uh, realizing that these things are going to happen, and you just kind of are strapped in along for the ride, like that sits deep in my soul. Um, and part of that is I've felt that before. Uh, this game really brings back my psychosis and uh, the psychological trauma I went through. I've mentioned this before, but at one point. 
in my psychosis. Um, I convinced myself, and it was just me obviously not thinking clearly, but I convinced myself that I was trapped for eternity, that I was basically in a little version of hell, and I was just going to be trapped there, helpless against being able to ever get out, helpless from um, ever being helped, and uh, having no ability to do anything about it. And that was just going to be my eternity. And it was like one of the worst it, it's it is okay it's not one of it is the worst thing that's ever happened in my life um the the horror that came from that the mm. the way like my heart felt the the sense yeah. of of just like staring into what i thought was going to be the abyss and never being able to come out of it was uh just it, it's something i i never want to go back to like my my mind my heart everything about me i try to ignore that and block it out of my life and doki doki really does some of that where you're you're just these things are happening there's nothing you can do about it it's all terrible and bloody and um and creepy and unsettling and there's just like there's nothing you can do and to me i think if you made the game into a dating sim where you were given more options and you were allowed to pursue things in different ways it would take away from that aspect of the horror it would take away from the helplessness of it so it's almost what it, it what it always should be, which is kind of an unfinished concept. And um, I don't know if really trying to pursue it any further is going to do anything beyond what they've already done. I think they, like I said, kind of caught lightning in the bottle here at the start um, with this this what used to be free game. I guess you can pay for it now, um, but this exp this small little free experience that just kind of came out of nowhere. And um, I guess my question before we wrap up here is, do you agree with that? Um, you obviously have your own ideas about where they could go next. And then um, what would you say is, if you had to parse it and pick one thing, uh, the most horrific, the most unsettling thing from this game? Yeah, the, the most horrific, unsettling thing um, was was Sayori's death, I think, you know, for me at least. I just, I'm yeah. not used to, that's not something in my wheelhouse that I'm comfortable experiencing regularly. However, however, too it was real such too. A, It's too real. It just feels... It, well, like, the way they handled it specifically, like, you can kind of do, like, a suicide story in, a, in an anime or whatever, and it'd be kind of, like, sad, but it wasn't just sad, in my opinion. It was like, oh, like, it was like, this happens, you know? Like, people do this. And yes. this could happen to a friend yes. of mine. Like it was, it was yes. too real. <laughs> yes, and the guilt that they show you, you know, when you leave right. for school without her, you know, you really do feel responsible for this character because they've done such a good job writing them that you actually feel something for them and just a little bit of something. Um, no, if I had my way, I think this studio would be best. This publisher would be best at actually writing a horror dating sim. Like maybe not. Uh, this game in horror dating sim, but a horror dating sim. I trust them implicitly. The ways they creeped me out and freaked me out and scared me and messed with my head were delicious. It was fantastic. Do it again. I will buy a game from you proper. And and that's that's what that is. I, of course, I. But there's also other options. So so let's get into some of the 
at things that we haven't mentioned. Just briefly, I won't, I won't take long. But the cutscenes for each character feature meaningful interactions. They have beautiful art. There's actually moments of connection that you know, they're anime for sure, but they could theoretically actually happen and actually bring you closer to someone. Which you know you just suspend the belief a little bit. But like there's there's moments of closeness that you experience to people, and you experience that with these characters, and that's it's lovely. But um, the um, the actual lack of a game behind the game is where they could also go. So, so sure. the art's great. The characters are great. I trust the developer. And now you have an option. So, oh, here's my, here's my thought. I kind of lost it a little bit. The, there's actually a version of this game. Doki Doki Literature Club is the base game. And then Doki Doki Literature Club Plus includes some side stories, which are interactions that are episodes and chapters that you just read through. It's just a novel, visual novel. There's no gaming. And it's between Yuri and Natsuki. It's between Hmm. Monica and Sayori. And those are additional things that add. And you're not the protagonist. You're just watching. You're not actually playing the game. You're not there in the scene. You're just watching. And those are, you know, I I did just a tiny bit of those. And um, I actually want to read a poem from one of the the side stories that kind of demonstrates how well written this game is. But the those things are great, but because you released an update for the game with side stories added, I, th- I know you have it in you to write a game behind the game. It would be great if the sequel was actually just an update. I say sequel, but like I see what you're saying with lightning in a bottle, which is actually my gut feeling for Terrors of the Kingdom for Zelda, which is what I've been saying, but sure, sure. Um, that's neither here nor there, Because, but I do agree with you. So a sequel to me wouldn't actually be a sequel. It would just be like a patch, an update, a DLC, essentially, which is once you delete Monica, now you actually get to experience life as the literature club would. It seems like it's going to be from the start. That's all I'm saying. It's like maybe not a sequel, but just mm. like finish it. I trust you. I know you do a good job and you would be guaranteed to make some cash on it because of your reputation for what you created the first time. I hope all of the developers at Team Salvador uh, or I think it's Team Salvador, right? Sa- Sa- Salvato? Some, I just, Salvato, I, I, I pardon me. The, it's something like that. Pardon me. me see. I Team hope all the developers Sal- got high-paying yeah, jobs at FromSoft, at Nintendo. At, like, I hope <laughs> they all made bank because it was a free game and they made it at a labor of love and it was great. I really hope you all make bank. But there's still more to be done, in my opinion. That's all. It's just it's a compliment. I'm trying to say it that way is that you you made something that was so enjoyable i want to relive it again and so that's that's certainly that's that's what i'm hoping for is less of a sequel and more of you're good at this you should do it again you know yeah no i think you've won me over a little bit by saying that um they should just go for a full-fledged horror dating sim i think you've won me over i i want if that is the case i want it to be separate from ddlc like i want it to totally be its fair. own unique story i think what they have here is what it needs to be like i said and i think like i said the limited nature of it the fact that you really aren't in control actually plays into some of the horror of it so for me i would say 
keep it as is. I forgot about Plus, actually, and I, I never experienced any of that stuff. So I, it's good to hear your perspective on that as well and how they, they filled some of that out. And what has already, like at the base game, is a lot of really good writing. Um, yes, It's excellent. a lot of great, excellent. like, subtle foreshadowing. Like, all of that's very good. Um, and even, like you said, kind of moments that you have with the characters, like, before Act 1, like, before the end of Act 1, like, it seems in its own way enriching. Like, it seems like they're they're you know nuanced characters and you're hoping that the whole game is you you know getting to know one and eventually becoming close to one and of course it all goes sideways but um you've won me over i think i think if they did one another dating sim and you know reset you know new premise and um really took each character and had like you know thorough plot lines with a lot of uh, things that and each of the plot lines could be unique and different and um not funnel you down one specific one i think that'd be great um i don't know if that's ever going to happen i'm actually looking at um their last post it's from dan who i'm assuming is the creative lead behind this uh it's as of last year they celebrated five years since the release and he has said that he is not necessarily going to be pursuing anything outside of this right now um he's updated the game um he said for the next five years he's working on oh no he is working on a couple of other games so i take that back um but not sure when those are going to come out so we'll see it doesn't look like let me see it says one of the games uh is a solo side project called magicor anomala not sure what that is and he doesn't mention what the other games are but sound like they're different they sound like they're different um and we'll see what happens there um do you have any other last thoughts i think i agree with what you said there i think the art's good um i don't really remember like the music or anything but i'm sure it worked just fine Um, music was actually exceptional i'll i do have have three thoughts I three. Um, music was actually exceptional. The way that it changes keys from major to minor a couple times really adds to the creepiness. Uh, they sure. utilize the music and the writing to great effect. All, like I said before, all of the horror and the creepy elements are chef's kiss, flawless perfection. Um, in in so in the world of updates and DLCs, on another thought, it would be really cool if just to take it a step further, you could go. Into the game files, and you have two options. Maybe one's hidden kind of behind. Because there's it gives you the appearance of playing on a PC with the Nintendo Switch cartridge version, which is always the best way to support a developer. So I always encourage people to pay for their games. But, you know, I do understand the appeal of a free game. But the um, if you go in there, you actually delete Monica physically. It's like delete file, yes. If you were to f- somehow get into the games and pull the cheat codes or like really play, play, play the game and you learned how to delete Monica's self-awareness instead of Monica entirely, you could, and this goes along with kind of like, um, kind of the fantasy as I think, as my mind expands of thinking how this game could go, you actually, whether it's going to be a regular dating sim or a horror dating sim, you actually, instead of deleting Monica entirely, you delete just her self-awareness. You can play the game normally. That would add an incredible element to the horror side of things because then you you wouldn't be sure if Monica's actually crazy or if she's actually a winnable character or if she's... Mm. You know, if if it's a horror dating game, if she's the one causing havoc or if it's actually just the nature of the game. You're not sure who's doing what... um, and looking suspiciously at all these characters whose hearts you're trying to win over, who are all professing their love for you, um, 
it would I just I just see so much potential for the writers of this game to do something exceptional and excellent. That's all I'm saying. Just I'll I'll stop selling it, but that's that's what I dream about. Um and it, I Love forgot it. about this. I forgot about this, but the the fourth wall break for this game is so exceptional that they actually created a Twitter account for Monica. It's called Lil Mon X3 or something like that. And it's actually they posted cover art on this is actually you know, it seems like it's Monica on Twitter, which is crazy to think about, you know. But that's just their dedication to the fourth wall break is excellent. That's an actual Twitter account you can follow. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what it is. Um, um, I'd like to – so let's – I'd like to debate about it, but I want to end on a poem if that's okay, Josh. If I can kind of take control please, like Doki please, Doki, I'd love we'll to end on a poem. Uh, yeah. the final yeah. question. Yes. So – like I said, the poems are beautifully written. Here's a small sip, snippet of one. If you can trust me to follow your pace, I'll trust you to set it. If you can trust me to lend you a smile, I'll trust you to return it. That's a small snippet of one halfway through. Another one I really liked was Become the Flower, written from, from a female's perspective. Sayori wrote this. A feeling of joy is a flower plucked from the ground. The color, the scent, it's so pretty in my hair. Every day I pluck some flowers as though they grew just for me. A lifetime of peace and nourishment yanked away in an instant. All for me, all for joy. I need more. I need more joy. I need more happy. Pluck, pluck, pluck every day. Pluck, pluck, pluck. So pretty in my hair. Pluck, pluck, pluck. You're going to die and you too. Beneath my feet a flower stands alone. It beckons to me. I twist the stem, freeing it from its clinging roots caressing the final joyous moment between my fingers. But to what ends? I look in every direction. In the field I stand in, the prosperous field, is a barren wasteland. The fruits of my labor, the carnage of my joy. And that is why I've decided I must become the flower. This is the kind of... Depth of reading, uh, isn't that nice? And it's just like kind of thrown in the game. It's not even like a centerpiece, but yet it, it just like, and they're all throughout the game. They're just fun. Uh, Yuri's Yuri's poem about cutting herself being, you know, she writes a poem about a raccoon and it, which is the urge and the hunger and the the rush of blood and all this different stuff. It becomes more analogous and literal. Yeah, you know, the second and third time you read it, and it's crazy, but. It just the depth that they wrote this game. I can't help but think like you folks need to do this again. I really believe with the writing alone, they they'd have a decent chance at catching lightning in a bottle. But that's just my opinion. I think they need to go to therapy. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> totally fair. Someone totally fair. wrote that from their heart, and I'm like, <laughs> you have some stuff you're struggling through. But that's like you know that's poetry. Like you're expressing yourself, and it's on a really raw level. So. Uh, they did it. <laughs> they did it really stinking well. You're reading through that, and I'm just like listening to everything, and I'm like, man, that's good. Like, it's just good. It's well done. And I'm getting like Shelly's Ozymandias vibes. I'm getting like um, darker T.S. Eliot vibes, but at the same time, like the hope of like a Robert Frost. Like, there's just a lot of great imagery in that. That was a great, great poem and good pick there, Jared. So I appreciate that. Um, and I appreciate you bringing those out. Cause honestly, I don't remember any of them. <laughs> um, okay. So final question, last thing we end every podcast with is this an entry in the hall of games? What do you think, Jared? Well, I think so. Uh, 
I believe that this game is a masterclass in subversion. I like that word you used in deception in what it means to game and to truly think who's in control here, the developer or you. The I hate more than anything else when a developer gives me false choices. This is one of the major criticisms I leveled against Fire Emblem. And this game um, takes that to the right place in the sense sure, that like, sure. sure, there's some control here. We'll warrant you that. But at the end of the day, we're in control. We're in control. And it's not this uncomfortable. Have you ever caught someone in a lie and it's like, Oh, it's so uncomfortable sometimes. It's more uncomfortable to be caught, of course, but it's very uncomfortable to catch someone in a lie because it's like, now yeah. how are you going to respond? Now how are you? And whenever I catch a game in a false dialogue choice, um, which is, you know, Fire Emblem, what game did I play? Oh, Pokemon, Pokemon, same thing. False dialogue choices that don't actually matter. Um, right. That is, it's, it's gross. And it feels like, oh, I've caught you. And now it's gross. Cause you're not even going to, you're just in denial. You're not even going to answer for yourself. I can't grab a developer and yank them and say, what was with this? So it's gross. It's nasty. But this game takes that and turns it into this beautiful thought experiment, this thought process and makes you and think it inspires you. It grosses you out. It puts chills down your spine and drains the blood from your face. And barely passes as a game but i personally think yes it should be in the hall of games it stands out and it makes me uh, so impressed with the team the developers and the writers especially um i i want more i want to go back for more sweet i wonder what your response will be to this i was mulling over this the other day i actually had one of my eighth graders ask me why does it seem like Sometimes it's okay to lie. Why is it okay? Or is it ever okay to lie? Or is it always when you lie a sin wrong against the moral order? Do you do you think it's ever okay to lie? I guess I want to ask you before I give my thoughts on it. I've been lying my whole life, so yes. Um, <laughs> no, that's not why. <laughs> so no, I, I guess think... my question is, and I, I I think I'd say sometimes it is, but my question is why? Like why is it sometimes okay? Sure. When you are flirting, when you are hiding a surprise party, when you your child is too, too young, young. <laughs> when you're someone asks a question that demands an answer and you're forced to answer and I don't know isn't good enough for them. Um, there's a number of reasons. And I certainly understand if anyone is listening and they rebut all of those and like that is net, there's never, I understand the hard line and I respect that. I respect the strength that you claim that you have to tell the truth 110% of the time. Uh, for me, on the other hand, there are some times when it's appropriate to lie. Um, yeah. Well, and like it's, I mean, I think it's not biblical to think that it's never okay because. I mean, you got Rahab in there and her lie in the story of Jericho. Um, obviously, it's not biblical, but uh, the story of Corey Ten Boom and a lot of people who were hiding Jews from yes. the Nazis during yes. World War II, like they lied over and over to the Gestapo. Um, and my conclusion, I was thinking and mulling it over, my conclusion was the difference between lying for a surprise party and lying to get out of something, you know, something you didn't want to do or, uh, you know, saying that you didn't cheat on something when you you actually did the difference is 
the reason behind the lie. The reason behind the lie is not a selfish one in the first case. It is a selfish one in the second case. So if it's done selfishly to benefit yourself, then the lie is wrong. Um, if it's done to help someone else, to protect someone else, or to uh, preserve something for the future, whether that's a young kid uh, or a surprise party, then the lie is not one, in my opinion, that's going to be a, a sinful direct against God um, kind of lie. Now, I don't know if I have scripture to back that up, but uh, I would say Doki Doki plays into that in that it is very much the lie when it hits is the surprise party lie. Where you're like, oh, you were holding back. Like, you wanted me to experience this. And so you led me along, but it was so that I could get that experience at the end, you know? Um, so it's not one of those ones that, you know, tastes bad in your mouth. It's not one of those ones. And I catch kids lying all the time. It's one of my pleasures of being a junior high teacher. Um, <laughs> I've learned very quickly to use my eyes you know and to hold theirs and you can you know the truth comes through in the eyes and i get a lot of good reading off of that and it's it's funny to see how some of them try to lie or uh how good they are at it sometimes very shocking um or how willing they are um despite all the evidence being mounted against them like it's just it's interesting uh being a teacher and seeing that but uh this one definitely does it in a good way um the yeah, to, uh, just a quick thought on your your lying thought. Um, there's um, a biblical passage where God talks about the things that He hates, and one of the things that He hates is a lying tongue. And I think that sure. the yes. implication there, the 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 implication is that He hates someone who lies habitually, a lying yeah, tongue, a, a liar, liar mm-hmm. a chronic liar. The other thing He says is He hates a false witness who utters out lies. And the false witness is the key part, which is you yeah. are ruining someone's life with your lie. That's, he hates, right, like a false witness. That's, it's the lie with major consequences. That's what he hates. When people are sent to prison and they shouldn't be, when people are, you know, that kind of thing. I don't necessarily think, actually, if you want to be uh, wily about it, I don't necessarily know that it says he hates lies themselves. Although it would be safer to say, yes, don't lie, you know, which it is. And I, I stand by that. That's fine. But I believe that your your intuition is correct. As like the intention, the the heart behind it, God sees the heart, man looks on the outside. So all we can see is the consequences, but God knows what's really going on. I don't think there's any harm in um, a little white lie here and there uh, when you've used your absolute most genuine best judgment. To call yeah, for it. if yeah. you're not being selfish with it, or I think adding to it, and I didn't say this, but I like your thought, uh, if you're not doing it to harm, to hurt someone else. And that's the ninth commandment. And I had to, you know, I talked through this, it's my second year teaching Bible 7, um, which I think part partially is why I feel a little more uncomfortable playing games like Doki Doki Literature Club now. <laughs> I just, I've been teaching too much Bible. <laughs> I actually <laughs> was talking about that with Karina because I can't really listen to like rap music that I used to. I like, I'll turn it on and I'm just like, oh, like it's just, I'm just seeing all the, and hearing all the filth way more than like before I just wasn't paying attention. Or at least I, if I was paying attention, I didn't care as much. Um, but the ninth commandment is not thou shalt not lie. That's what people say. But the ninth commandment is no, thou shalt not bear false witness. It has to deal specifically in a court of law when you're supposed to be telling the truth um, in order to, you know, get the truth out there in front of the public. That's when it's wrong. It's not in, like we said, kind of these other situations. So um, anyway, just wanted to 
throw that out there as well. Uh, would you like to hear my verdict, Jared? Yes, go ahead. Okay. Jared, I love you. I, I love you a lot. You have a wonderful storytelling soul. I love it. Um, you resonate with stories. You come up with solutions to things I would never think of. Uh, you take where another creator has gone and run with it to a level that, um, you know, is, is, is brilliant and, and creative and thoughtful in its own right. Um, you appreciate poetry. You know, Jared, I, I love you very much. Um, and I was coming into this conversation with a big old no plastered uh on my decision and i think i'm gonna say yes i think i'm gonna say doki doki should be in the hall of games um your recent experience is the convincing factor for me like a lot of what you're saying and and the thought processes that you had really bring me back to my first time playing it because it's been so long for me yes yes i think i've been desensitized to it and so i came in with like ah yeah it's half baked yeah it's not a real game um yeah it's a one trick pony but really going back to oh i when i didn't know anything about it um when I didn't have everything spoiled for me or when I didn't start to look stuff up online, um, when I wasn't watching right. my, my right. girlfriend, my now wife play it and, and, you know, ready for every turn. Like, um, that original experience really is one that has no peer, uh, that, that does stand out above really any other, uh, media that I can think of that really breaks the fourth wall and really gets under your skin. So, um, I also would say, yes, I think this should be in the hall of games. It also, uh, well, I'm flattered. I thank you for the compliment. I, I do my best to really get inside the head of some of these games. Um, and thank you for that. I really appreciate that. I love you too. <laughs> um, I would also say, and this is something I thought about the other day. I might have mentioned this before. This game also passes the tattoo test. And the tattoo test is Ooh. if someone is willing, this is why you know the, the Horizon games pass the tattoo test. God of War passes the tattoo test. So does Elden Ring. Um, these games inspire people so much that people get tattoos of them. And you can Google Doki Doki Literature Club Tattoo, and you'll see an actual arm with an actual tattoo on it. And I think that speaks to something that's that's buried deep inside great games. So, How do we know that was an AI generated? It's a real picture I'm looking at. <laughs> I can promise <laughs> no, you. I'm just joking. That's just one of the difficulties of modern life. Yes. Uh, gotta love artificial intelligence. Yeah, no, okay. Well, then, with that being said, Kachunk, another entry into the Hall of Games, Doki Doki Literature Club, an indie title that takes its place, what used to be a free game, of course, you can buy now, um, but takes its place amongst other greats and really does, I think, stand the test of time. I think based off of, and we see the evidence of that here with Jared's experience and mine. So um, be sure to check it out if you have the opportunity to. We just spoiled it out the wazoo so hopefully you played it before you listen to this podcast um maybe we could have given a few more disclaimers because it is one i think you really need to go in blindly to um that being said be sure to tell a friend about our podcast drop us a five-star review check out our past episodes for more backlog in-depth conversations just like this one thank you for taking the time to listen i hope you agree with our decision and if you don't tell us why until then Jared, I'm looking forward to hearing what you think of Breaking Bad and the character study that is Walter White and the consequences that come from his actions and um, the uh, twists and turns and the wonder that is that show. Looking forward to hearing what you think. Hopefully it doesn't burn out for you like Game of Thrones did. Um, 
but excited about that and hearing your take on it, especially knowing that you do have a heart for uh, seeing characters and the story behind it. And I think Breaking Bad's one of those great ones. Um, and I am shocked, utterly shocked you have not uh, watched <laughs> it before. Like, almost disappointed. Like, just a little, a little disappointed. Um, That's fair. But that being said, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. Um, that being said, though, um, thank you for spending this time with me, Jared. And this is the Video Game Bard signing off right now. See you later.